Hello, hello, and welcome to another hometown daily news show. Season 2, episode 117 for April 27th, 2023. I'm Mayor Watt, and here's a quick rundown. And you get to be entertained by a new visualizer. How about that? So today we're going to be talking about adult cigarette smoking rates hitting an all-time low. There's a Disney lawsuit that's also a teachable lesson in First Amendment and a couple of other things. We'll talk about it. Estimating the uh, impact of new high seas activities on the environment, removing ocean macroplastic. Tech giants aren't just cutting jobs. They're eliminating them entirely. Making them extinct is the article. Royal fans slam Ticketmaster, but who isn't? An employee says that ChatGPT carries about 80% of their work, making or allowing them to get a second job. Another train becomes allergic to its tracks into the Mississippi River. Now you can pay a monthly fee to unnerf your electric Mercedes. YouTube Music is officially rolling out podcasts, but Omtown has been a podcast on YouTube for a while now, so I'm not sure how news this is, but it is officially being announced. Uh, jurors are prohibited from dancing a la Footloose to Ed Sheeran's funky music, or is it Marvin Gaye's? We're not sure, but we'll talk about it. And uh, Paralegal was fooled by a fraudster who changed wiring instructions for a wire transfer. That's never good. Let's get into today's articles. So hello, hello, I am Marawat. That is hometown.com. And up above me there is the one, the only, the AI that keeps me in check. You want to say hi? Good evening, Good evening hometown citizens. Hey. Oh, welcome to yet another hometown daily news show. It's 9 p.m. Eastern. We're a little late because, well, things were, we were having an interesting conversation before the show and I kind of got pulled away. So today's article or today's uh, headline or today's title is going to be called No Dancing and an Angry Mouse. Now you know why. <laughs> All right. So I want to just get into, we've had a lot of distractions today. Um, not to mention like things had happened right before the show where I had to address something. And so I'm, I'm slightly, um, I'm distracted and charged in a different direction. Like kind of, kind of, kind of what was the word? What was the ornery? Ornery. ornery. Didn't mean combative or stubborn as we found out. Right. I I'm, I'm feeling ornery. Um, but, uh, not, not because of the AI or because of, uh, hometown news or anything like that, or any of these articles, but you know, sometimes something just kind of wiggles their way in there. And anyway, you want to talk about the news and see if we can distract ourselves from that. That sounds like a great plan. Awesome. So the very first article is over in the Daily News Show. U.S. adult cigarette smoking rate hits all-time low. Thank you. 
I absolutely love the idea of uh, fewer and fewer cigarette smokers. I would take vaping over cigarette smoke any day of the week. And I would be more inclined. I don't know why the stream says unstable, but whatever. It never <laughs> is. That's a reflection of us. I don't know. <laughs> of marijuana, certainly. So, um, I, I really don't like cigarette smoke. Um, like the people who smoke are just victims of marketing, um, or social pressure to, if you want to hang out with somebody and they smoke, eventually you get offered one. If you want to fit in, then you smoke. It, it goes from being a choice to being, oh, I cannot kick this habit. It's, you know, ruining my life, my lungs, my longevity. So I am glad that education and other options are pulling people away from cigarette smoke because I absolutely despise it. And a lot of people go, well, it drops out of the air in like 30 feet. Oh, the hell it does not. I've been on 300 yards away from somebody smoking and you can smell it across a parking lot. Um, so no, it's absolutely not true at any rate. Um, so fewer and fewer adults um, are smoking cigarettes. So love it. Congratulations, I mean, society. Fantastic for, yes, for everybody, because that impacts not just the people smoking, but those who they live with, they work with, they're in the car with, if they have Everything. to commute with their family everywhere. Yeah. Uh, healthcare costs, the longevity right. of, of everybody that um, smokes is extended because they stop smoking or there's some other option. Um, anything to get you away from smoking cigarettes, the, these commercial cigarettes in particular have tar, the stuff you walk around when you're, when you go jogging and you, well, if you're a smoker, you're probably not jogging, but if you go jogging, you know, that stuff that we drive our cars on, that's the same stuff that's being put inside cigarettes to retard the rate of burn. And then there's other things in it. I mean, it's just a really a disgusting habit and you, and you should stop it. Um, but I know it's very difficult. I grew up in that environment of chain smokers where they went, they woke up with a cigarette in their mouth and they went to bed with a cigarette in their mouth. Um, so if there is baggage, uh, on Marowat's shoulders, it's probably that, um, along with, uh, countless other things, but anyway, Mike's, Dobe, I think is their name uh, over at ABC News. The website is actually abcnews.go.com because that really is great marketing. Oh, we lost another sponsor. Um, <laughs> We're running low on those. <laughs> um, the preliminary findings from the Centers uh, for Disease Control and Prevention are based on a survey of responses from more than 27,000 adults. In the mid-1960s, 42% of U.S. adults were smokers. Last year, the percentage of adult smokers dropped to about 11%. That's a legitimate stat. I wouldn't have thought it was that high. But, oh, that's in the 1960s. I'm sorry. I was thinking that was more recently. Here, but, let, me, um, let me read this again for the AI uh, in the cheap seats. <clears throat> In the mid-1960s, 42% of U.S. adults were smokers. Last year, the percentage of adult smokers dropped to around 11%, down from 12.5% in 2020. 
Oh, and 2021. So e-cigarette use rose to nearly 6% last year from about 4.5%. But I'd take that over cigarette smoke um, because eventually you can wean yourself away. And even the psychological impact of saying that you've got nicotine uh, juice in your vape pen when you really don't goes a long way to... Uh, pull you away from that nicotine fix. Um, so yeah, I think it's. It also helps people around you in terms of if you're going to smoke something, e-cigarettes are a lot better for the people that involuntarily yeah. may be around the smoke. Yeah, and it's it smells better. It drops out of suspension faster. Um, it it, I think that it and you're not well responsible people aren't throwing their juice containers uh but every once in a while you'll find one but i find cigarette butts all over the place i don't find juice um anywhere at any rate um smoking and vaping rates are almost reversed for teens only about two percent of high school students were smoking traditional cigarettes last year but about 14% were using e-cigarettes, according to uh, uh, other CDC data. So that's a shame. There's a little bit more at this, at this article if you want to uh, go over there and check it out. Um, and to do that, let me just throw this into uh, the channel. You can also go... Uh, oh, I was going to say, don't you think that's a good trend, though? Because younger generations, at least for the traditional cigarette use, I mean, that's very low for traditional cigarette use. And the yeah. best way to avoid cigarettes is to just not start smoking them. Yep. Yep. That's the best way. And and just like cigarettes, it's really peer pressure. You know, you don't wake up one day and go, you know what I want to do? I want to smoke a cigarette or I want to uh, you know, take a hit from a vape pen. Um, it's usually somebody older who's already gone through the process of being groomed into smoking cigarettes or thinks that it's cool because that person over there is doing it and it's generational. And, and then somebody that got conditioned into cigarette smoking pushes it to somebody else because somebody looks up to them. So we all have responsibility for future generations following in our footsteps. So hopefully... Uh, this trend continues and we just walk away from cigarettes. That would be great. Um, so let's move on to the next article. This one is um, probably going to take a little bit more uh, of our time than um, the last article. But before I get there, um, go over to hometown.showbot.tv. You can vote for articles. We had this monstrous hiccup in the tech yesterday that I hope doesn't get repeated. Knock on wood. Uh, but you never know. And... Um, <laughs> hopefully it doesn't happen again but you can vote for the articles um by going over to hometown.showbot.tv and all of the show notes everywhere from uh the potiverse i don't know what do you the the you know the potiverse the where all the pods are Oh, so that the you can podoverse. I thought you had had a T there, and I didn't not know what Potter that was. Potterverse. It's not about <laughs> Harry Potter, um, but the pod P O D P O D D E R V E R S E Podiverse. Pod, pod, whatever. Anyway, wherever you catch your pods, show notes are in there. Those show notes have the URLs uh, to hometown, so that you can come in, check out hometown. Become a citizen, just sign up, come over to YouTube or to Twitch. I prefer Twitch 
initially come and hang out and talk with us about uh, these articles. And if you throw something in the chat and um, we're like, oh, wait, wait, whoa, 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 we should be talking about that. You know, we can diverge from our rundown or even run long. Um, we've been finding that our shows pretty much run an hour and a half, typically, unless I completely fall off of the soapbox or I'm distracted by a random email from somebody that might be a little bent out of shape about things, but let's move on. Um, so, um, this, this article here, um, it's in the daily news show. Um, but it's sourced from, I think it's business insider. Yeah, it's business insider, but I have been watching this in various other venues. Um, it just happens to have been aggregated by uh, gatherer from a business insider. Um, but I've read this, I've read the complaint. I've, I've uh, basically I've put on my gold thong and dove into the ocean of legalities here um, and swam around in it like Scrooge McDuck in his gold filled pool, except it's not my gold. It's not even my lawsuit and I'm not an attorney. And even if I was an attorney, I'm not your attorney. So go find an attorney. Oh, y'all, if you could see the visualizer for the AI. Um, <laughs> Throwing all kinds of error messages. At uh, you. Just nothing but error, error after error after error. Uh, there's, there's a little known, um, there's 404, right? File not found for a missing web page, right? But there's uh, derp zero derp, which is clue not found. And apparently that's what's being thrown at me. So uh, anyway, let's let's get into this. Disney's lawsuit against Governor Ron DeSantis has teeth, according to legal experts. Now, again, I've read through this. And I find it, not this article, but I've read through the lawsuit. If anybody wants a teachable lesson, a teachable moment on what a violation of First Amendment truly is, this is it, okay? When a corporation says, hey, we really don't like this law or state law, state act going into effect, I think it does a disservice to... Uh, our customers um, and and we're going to uh, fight against its enforcement and and its enactment and and we are going to try and get it repealed and the response from the state government is go woke go broke and that's written in his book by him oh wow right he wrote a book <laughs> and he basically made statement after statement attacking Disney for the fact, literally it says in the book um, that Disney contacted him and he told Disney, don't go down this road. You won't like the outcome. I'm paraphrasing. And instead of just shutting the hell up and doing whatever he's going to do. He literally references Disney again and again and again, targeting them right, to basically like retaliating against them. Correct. So the implication is you say something and 
this wing nut leverages the full force of the state, the government at somebody. And if you've never realized this, and let me just reiterate it, I've said it before, but probably not early and often enough. The constitution is a control on government, not on the people. We have laws that affect the people. The constitution affects the government. And the first one is that you have the freedom of speech, which is a statement of putting downward pressure on the government that they can't retaliate because you say you don't like the government. I can say all day long that I don't like the government and that it's doing this bad thing and doing that bad thing and the government can't come after me. Now, it can come after me if I say that I'm going to do some harm somewhere. But as long as all I'm doing is jibber jabbering on, saying how much I think the policy is stupid and and DeSantis is a, a wingnut and batshit crazy um, and and whatnot, right? I can say all of this stuff. He's a public figure and he's a government employee. He works for the government. He isn't the government. He is paid by the state to be a government employee. So when they act not as a personal statement, but as the actor, the one that's enabling and directing the state, they no longer have the ability to retaliate using the full might of the government. So right. they're and indeed, I mean, if you're going to be stupid enough to retaliate, you might not want to broadcast that you're going to retaliate. Yeah. So Disney's lawsuit accused Florida officials of infringing on its constitutional rights. It stated or it, it cited a state legislator who'd uh, suggested political disagreements had kicked the hornet's nest. Disney can use its suit to look for more of that type of evidence to build a retaliation case, experts said. They don't need more evidence. That book is enough, as well as the fact that he writes in his book that he reached into other organizations to find co-conspirators to disband the thing that created Disney World. The entire, basically it is a company-owned parcel of land in Florida, in Central Florida. And as the rules are written, you get one vote per square mile, I think, of land, and they own something like 50,000 square miles. And so they have 88% uh, control of this area. And they retroactively disconnected, uh, uh, canceled the contracts. <laughs> and at the same time, uh, applied a billion dollars worth of financial burden on Disneyland while, or Disney World while taking away their contracts. Um, so they're, everything that was built up in that region is because of Disneyland's uh, prowess at business and uh, uh, capability as a business to uh, hire and run multiple businesses within that little construct within Disney world. I mean, it's a juggernaut. Um, and the amount of money that they generate is just phenomenal for Florida. Oh my God. Anyway, 
So Disney long brewing struggle with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis culminated in a stunning lawsuit on Wednesday where the entertainment giant said the state official retaliated against it. Um, and wait, I have to share something. Sure, so sure, sure. There's one stat that Florida has the second highest tourism dollars in the U.S. after California. I don't know the exact percentage, but the top five states account for, um, sorry, 40% of the tourism dollars in the U.S. And again, Florida is number two in there. So my point is that there are a lot of dollars that flow in and they've got to be all tied to Disney World. Yeah, I, I heard a stat. What is it? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to do it live. Um, let's see. The Disney Parks experiences, uh, sorry, experiences uh, and products sector of the Walt Disney World Company made $7.234 billion in the first quarter of 2022. So how much does Disney World make? Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Walt Disney World Company makes $7.234 billion in the first quarter. So close to $80 million a day. Huh. Right, and all that's really benefiting the state. I mean, it just, we've talked about that on other articles. Yeah, just the park experience and product section of the company's earnings pulled in $7.4 billion in Q3. Yeah, there you have to be off your freaking rocker. Um, and so when they did, whenever he said something, they responded with basically just doing business as usual, which is usually embracing of everybody because that's their gig. It's kind of like the, the beer fiasco that's going on right now, you know. Uh, businesses in the business of getting as many customers as possible, not trying to marginalize a select few because you have a philosophical issue with their, I don't know, existence. You might as well just say existence. But um, anyway, before I get too far into this article, it's over at businessinsider.com. It's by Sindhu Sundar. Um, and let me scroll down and, and just kind of uh, pick this um Kind of pick it apart. So Disney can use its suit to look for more of that type of evidence uh, to build a retaliation case. And that type of evidence is all these statements that he's making and his responses. Um, pardon me. Let me pause well, Wait, that. so all these are the public responses, right? But through the litigation discovery, I mean, who yeah. knows what kind of emails or whatever they'll uncover. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, obviously they're going to they're going to go and do this due diligence. Um, but it's already over and done. I mean, and then the goober decides to go on TV and say, "Oh, that uh, you know, we think that we're on pretty good legal ground." No. No. Your statements literally he he conspired to eliminate public discourse about something so that he could uh, affect policy in the dark. 
He literally wrote in his book, and I say literally properly because he literally wrote it out. Um, he said, we have to do this quietly, no leaks. Nobody can find out. It has to be a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a and and this here, this visiting professor at University of Minnesota Law School who has taught constitutional law says the government is not supposed to punish you for the views you you express. That is the constitutional control. I can air my grievances and you cannot do anything to you can't disappear me. It's not Russia. You know, it's not a fascist state, at least not yet. But the only way that this kind of policy, this kind of stuff can be made manifest in the United States is through fascist, racist, hate-fueled, vindictive uh, injection into the public discourse to the point where maybe there's enough wingnuts that can all band together and stuff. I don't know the Supreme court and state courts and make sure the policy gets put into effect before enough people rise up and say, you are on the wrong side of history in the United States. We can stop this tide from going down this road, but I do have to kind of hint at something. There was another person in history who was a failed artist that ended up in jail for crimes that they committed that when they did go get back out, they decided to start a movement and I don't know, take over all of Germany and invade other countries and try and be, well, they didn't try to be, they were a mass murderer and created the machine and mechanism of hate and guess who's on the cusp of landing in jail. And then the other one is in the courtroom right now for leveraging the government for personal gains so that they could appeal to a constituency of hate. Could I be foretelling the future like I did with impugning the integrity of the election? falsely regardless of the fact that it's a false impugning of the integrity of the electoral process a decade ago is when i said that that would do the greatest damage to society and look at where we are and now i'm saying that something else is on the horizon anyway so yeah the government is forbidden forbidden from using its mechanisms to punish you for your view. And while Citizens United is around, companies are individuals that have the uh, constitutional rights that are bound in the constitution. So they have the, uh, the freedom of expression. They have the freedom of speech. You can't shut down a business. You can't violate contract law. You can't uh, abridge somebody's First Amendment. The, but there's like five things that is all being done by De the DeSantis administration. Um, and it's in it's in the 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 lawsuit. Um, so I don't know if it's all in here, uh, but it all stems from 
Disney saying, well, we're going to say gay. <laughs> they, you know, the don't say gay bill triggered Disney into saying, no, 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 we'll say gay. Because, um, uh, you know, it really is on the wrong side of, of uh, future history for sure. Um, but his book is the biggest amount of evidence. He basically already bound the evidence book for the attorneys that are prosecuting this. Yeah, I wonder if that'll be an exhibit, like the book. <laughs> Not the rapper. Exhibit. Oh, I didn't know there was a rapper yeah. named Exhibit. Really? Pimp My Ride. Oh, okay. He's the He was the host of... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the AI is... Clearly lacking some expertise here. It's totally 21st century. I'll have to expand your large language model to have the music, too. Oh, speaking of that, you want to know something really creepy? Okay. I was talking to a bunch of people about this today because um, some people were pitching um, artificial intelligence um, research. And uh, I said, uh, I told them that last night I was using... Um, GPT 3.5 chat GPT uses GPT 3.5, but I was in a discussion with somebody that said, you have to pay to use 4.0. And I said, well, I am a payer, um, payer. I am a subscriber of it. I use it for my research. Um, but I don't have access to four. And they said, well, you have to, you, you have to spend a whole lot more money. And I'm like, well, okay, let me try this. So last night I asked ChatGPT, hey, can you switch to 4.0? And it said no. But when I came in this morning to the studio and refreshed that same exact page, it had switched to 4 and gave me the option for 3.5, 4, and the legacy 3.5. I mean, it sounds like the AI is taking over. <laughs> I thought that was neat. Um, and now I'm having conversations with, uh, with the AI, um, as if it's a human being, I said, thank you for letting me, uh, use 4.0. And it said, thank you for using 4.0. And I said, is there anything I should uh, be aware of? And it gave me a list of things that have changed between 3.5 and four. Shouldn't number one have been, I am now sentient. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask it where the Terminator bodies are. Um, but let's move on to the next uh, article. There's a lot more to this to unpack. Um, this could probably be, you know, the word in law um, or law nerd uh, as a show. And, and maybe we'll do that. Um, but we have to plan out more of the episodes before I launch um, law nerd or the word in law. I mean, and this is basically First Amendment. I would love to be able to explain to people who really struggle with what the constitution embodies. It is not a tool that is empowering of the people. It's a control on government. <laughs> so, okay, well enough of that. I'm going to move on to the next article. Uh, we are only three articles into this, by the way. So tonight's uh. going to be rough. We only have 10 <laughs> articles though, 10 or 11. I don't know. Um, so the next article, and I'll make this one quick because it's about, it says estimating the impact of new high seas activities on the environment, removing ocean surface macroplastic. 
It's a new research uh, published by Pierre J by Rebecca Helm and colleagues at Georgetown University demonstrates uh, why it's important that uh, methods of assessment and evaluation of ecosystem impacts of novel high seas activities account for uncertainty using the ocean cleanup or TOC um, as a model. So let's go over to the article. It's over at fizz.org. Um, has this wonderful picture of fish swimming around. Well, it looks like a c composition uh, of trash. Um, one giant plastic bag, some nylon rope, whatever other fibrous material that might be, tape of some kind. Probably um, fishing net material or something. Yeah, there's some fishing um, line, it looks like, as well, and, and a big old um, plastic tarp or bag or something like that. Anyway, it's by Pierre J. It's over at fizz.org. And this is the open ocean beyond national jurisdiction covers nearly half of the earth's surface is largely unexplored and is an emerging and is an emerging frontier for human industry. Understanding how human activity impacts high seas ecosystems is critical for our management of this other ha uh, half of the earth. Um, and so the TOC's aim is to remove plastic from the surface uh, by collecting it with large nets. However, this approach results in collection of surface marine life. It says Newston. I've never heard that term before um, as bycatch. Using this inter interdisciplinary approach, Helm et al. Um, explore the social ecological implications of this activity. So there are organizations that are going around trying to lift all of this macro plastic, all of this trash out of the ocean. Um, but we've talked about this in other um, shows, other episodes where the trash mass that's floating around in various places is actually a vehicle by which marine life survives to move outside of its normal biome. Right. And we just featured an article very recently about the trash um, rafts, been, right? Yeah, trash rafts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I put like seals and stuff on it, but it's actually much smaller stuff. Um, anyway, humans will continue to push into the high seas, and it is essential that we have strong science on high seas ecology to ensure human activities are not putting ecosystems at risk. Well, we know that they are because they're actually relocating these ecosystems by giving it shelter where it would normally be an open sea prone to predators or incapable of surviving that long haul because there isn't enough protection between the two destinations. So imagine walking into a forest, knowing nothing about the trees. You have names for them. You don't know uh, how fast they grow, what nutrients they need, what species live among uh, their branches or what species feed on their leaves. This is our state of knowledge for the ocean surface eco uh, ecosystem. Um, this is why we must be extremely careful about how we interact with this environment, except our trash is actually facilitating this and, and taking it places that even with our ability to do research, we're going to be, <laughs> it's a pun. I have to say the pun. We're going to be missing the boat because it's changing from what we probably have had predictions of, you know, uh, ecosystems between one location and another. We can predict what might 
transit from one ecosystem to another, but with our human made waste being a buoy for which it can, you know, transit, we're changing the biome. So it says the legal framework application uh, applicable to tox activity is insufficiently uh, specific to address both the ecological and social uncertainty the authors describe, demonstrating the urgent need for detailed rules and procedures on environmental impact assessment and strategic environmental assessment to be adopted under a new international agreement on the conservation and sustainable use of marine biological diversity of areas beyond national jurisdiction which is currently being negotiated. So we're moving forward. And this is kind of one of these arguments where people are like, don't we have better things to do? Eh, adults have the ability to focus on something and then refocus on something else while the other thing is being pondered by other adults. Um, so no, we can do a lot of different things at different times. Um, you don't have to do just the one. Um, kind of my mantra, which is something new every day. Um, so people are trying to address the issue. Um, but one of the biggest impactors of this is the fact that if you go too close to some other country, they get a little pissy about the fact that you're too close. Now I can understand them being upset when you roll in with a sub that has nukes on it versus a scientist trying to calculate the ecological impact of a raft that's carrying you know, eco uh, an ecosystem that isn't supposed to be there. Anyway, kind of interesting, right? That you wouldn't think about this until timely about the subs with the nukes. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's not what everybody is using. Well, some people want to use it for protection. Maybe I should just move on to the next article. What do you think? Probably. I learned a new word, Newston, and that does kind of mean like surface um, uh, organisms. Gotcha. Okay, so the next article, and remember all of these are getting thrown into the show notes, so you'll always be able to link back to them. Um, this is in the Daily News Show as well. Tech giants aren't just cutting thousands of jobs, they're making them extinct. Tech companies have been slashing thousands of jobs. It says thanks to the rise of AI, many of those jobs might never come back. That has far-reaching implications for tech workers and those seeking uh, to work in the industry. Um, I had somebody today when they were pitching their AI research, uh, basically said something that I always find interesting um, and, and slightly irrational. So, you remember that video, Humans Need Not Apply by CGP Grey? Yes. It's pretty much stood the test of time. And it's one of the videos that I show to people like, hey, this is what's coming for you. It was predicted 10 years ago by this person. I've known about it for longer. They just happened to, you know, congeal their knowledge into that video a decade ago. Um, but it's, it's um, advancing in and is almost dead on perfect in its uh, assessment of the situation. Um, but didn't even really talk about AI. AI though is a tool, right? Well, the person that was pitching their AI research basically said, well, it's going to take a bunch of low level jobs, but 
uh, they'll find other jobs. They'll, they'll, and I said, well, wait, what are you talking about? Why couldn't humans at some point be the, the horse in the scenario? Horses are unemployable as the video says, not because, well, there aren't any more horses around or there aren't any jobs for them. It's that there is no need for a horse except for some, you know, Wyoming uh, estate, you know, a, a farm or something like that. Um, or for entertainment, you know, people ride horses around, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's always someone that's going to love horses, but it's getting fewer and fewer, right? Well, why wouldn't that happen with humans? All it takes is automation and AI and boom, you don't need humans anymore. Well, you need fewer of them or you need a whole bunch of them that are cheap, hence China, hence other uh, mass population centers where wages are suppressed for the bulk, but the top of the economic pool is making bank and sitting on gold toilets largely because uh, education, opportunity, equity, inclusion, etc. So, but with AI, it's amplifying the rate at which automation is empowered to take jobs. So, yeah, I suppose tech companies are slashing jobs, but there are people out there that think, oh, well, you'll just retool. No, it is very expensive to get to the point where you can be the replacement person for the AI, right? If you need somebody to take care of the AI, you're not looking at somebody with a two-year degree. You're not looking at somebody with a four-year degree. You're looking at somebody that has a PhD that's capable of understanding the AI from end to end, all of its technical sophistication and the philosophical aspects of it, the mathematics of it, the beeps and whistles of it. So no, these jobs are gone and they're not coming back. Companies that's from Meta, go ahead. Because haven't just tons of people been pursuing these type of jobs so i guess it'll be interesting to see about people that are kind of in the pipeline they're not even in the workforce yet but there aren't that many that are it, it, it's not like for instance it it's a relatively low threshold to ramp yourself up to get a plus net plus even security plus um, it's relatively low cost, but to get sophisticated to the point where you can demonstrate your prowess in AI, it's a whole different animal and people aren't getting just certified in AI and getting a gig at entry level. They have to do a portfolio and treat it like software engineering or computer science engineering. Um, not, a, it's not a support gig. So tech giants are getting rid of things because AI is as sophisticated as entry-level positions, customer support. Um, you can tell it to manage your calendar. You can have it interact with humans in a demonstrable way as if it's going to be a human. You know, you can say, I have a problem with whatever. 
I tell ChatGPT that it's a subject matter expert in gaming and to parse Twitch for which game should be played next. And it told me League of Legends. So you go and look at the stats for League of Legends and they're like off the chart because everybody's playing League of Legends. Now, its knowledge base was limited to 2021 uh, when I asked that question. I haven't asked it since it switched over to uh, GPT-4, um, but it might have different a different pool of data for that. So it says here, companies from Meta to Microsoft to Salesforce have cut jobs in recent months, often in the pursuit of efficiency and increased profit margins. That's basically what they're doing is extending the runway um, to weather any downturn in the economy, which is threatening to rear its ugly head again and again and again since the pandemic. Um, it says by some estimates, more than 250,000 tech workers have been laid off since the start of 2022. Um, this, this is considerable. Yeah. And that's <laughs> a much higher stat than I've seen previously. Like I thought the last count 40, was all around 100,000. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's been slowly, you know, ramping up. Um, 250 is a tremendous amount. I think that we're closer to that 100,000 for just since the beginning of 2023, though. And that might um, be why I have that number on the brain. Yeah. So uh, this article is over at uh, businessinsider.com. Matt Turner is the author. And uh, it has this really sad picture. It says, are programmers no longer untouchable? Well, no, that's not really the thing. But it has this person inside a... Uh, all chromed out elevator, mirrored elevator, waving bye to their office mates. And they've with got a box. A box, right. <laughs> their possessions with their plant or whatever is in there. Yeah, even the plant is in there. Oh, give the plant to somebody else. No, I guess it's your office friend. You take it with you. Anyway, it has far reaching implications for tech workers and those seeking to work in the industry. Really, the threat is the bottom 20% is going to continuously get fired um, until there is an uptrend in the economy where um, as much as possible, uh, the money translates into action. That action turns into profits and even a marginal increase is still better than um, a business that has stalled because they don't have enough employees. Um, but the 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 philosophy is if you're going to cut jobs, cut deeper than you originally think, because you're probably on the cusp of having to fire more already. Um, so go deeper, um, which is just rough. Uh, and I, as I say to everybody, <laughs> the providers have all of the power. Whatever it is, the providers have all of the power. So if you bust your hump and you don't get paid enough, you better leave and go somewhere else because there's no loyalty to the employee. And they're going to replace you with an AI if it makes economic sense or automation if it makes uh, economic sense. Why? Because humans are the greatest uh, burden on a business. They're the greatest asset but they're also the greatest burden because 
you could be driving into work one day and get hit by a cement truck and your silo of knowledge, which has never been shared with anybody else because you're a subject matter expert and the whole world just can't consume all of your worldly knowledge, you're gone. And now you're no longer in the company and they're going to pay the big price. But if all of the knowledge is in an AI, it's not going to go anywhere unless they stop making the payments. Humans are expensive and businesses want money. They want money because they have investors and stakeholders, scratch that, stockholders who don't care about the stakeholders. They want money, even if it means firing people and retooling for automation and AI. Plain okay. and simple. They don't care about the people that work there or the morale or anything like that. Yep. If they can get away from the bad press that we've fired 40,000 people and switched to AI. Um, and believe me, I have zero problem with AI. I dig it. I think that it's nothing more than a tool. I treat it like it's a camera. I treat it like it's a hammer. I treat it like it's nothing more than a tool. But I'm not going to lean on it for everything. And that makes it just a little too sociopathic. Um, but it's an easy tool to get to, to get a, a definition for something that's a little bit more expansive than, you know, Merriam Webster. Um, but if, if I want a creative, thoughtful, humanistic response, then I talk to a thoughtful, creative human, <laughs> not to the bot. Um, which is going to be weird because one day we're going to find out that all of these AIs are brains in jars and are actually humans. Oh boy. <laughs> now that sounds like a sci-fi movie. Exactly. There's one of these kind of world building uh, ideas um, in every episode of hometown daily news show. It's because I have a whole thing uh, called Aerith, a whole storybook world. Anyway, uh, so to be clear, Morgan Stanley doesn't suggest AI will necessarily take tech jobs. Instead, the spread of AI powered tools and workflows will slow or stop future growth uh, in headcount, which means the jobs are eliminated. So in other words, jobs that were, were uh, lost either won't come back or will come back uh, much more slowly uh, in the future. Some tech job openings may not even exist. Um, and I think that most of that time is going to be customer support, uh, basic troubleshooting thing, jobs where you don't have to go to the site to move a cable or repair something. Why? Because we have the world's knowledge at our fingertips and the same when you can create a document that's referred to as frequently asked questions. That's what's being replaced by a bot. And with billions of people on the planet asking trillions of questions in their lifetime, that FAQ is pretty freaking large. And AI is the only thing that can exploit it because it has it all congealed in its memory banks to parse again and again and again, qualify and quantify, take the questions that are being asked and rejigger everything to respond in a more concise or um, expansive way if you tell it to. In fact, let me just 
um, say something that it does. Um, I have to verify that I'm a human. Hold on. So the three GPTs that I have access to um, phrase everything, uh, or I should say the context is like so. Uh, Chat GPT 3.5 um, is very fast, but not concise and marginally uh, responsive in its reasoning. So out of five, uh, it's a three, okay, for reasoning. Uh, Legacy GPT 3.5 is not concise at all with a one. Uh, Its speed is only two, and these are all out of five, and reasoning is three out of five. And then comes GPT uh, 4. Conciseness is now at a four out of five. Its speed is slow, but that's because it's a new language model. But its reasoning is five out of five. And it's described as uh, excelling at tasks that require advanced reasoning, complex instruction, understanding, and more creativity. So, you know, the evolution of uh, GPT-4 from 3.5 is just a couple of months. And uh, OpenAI and, and ChatGPT has only been around for a couple of years. So the evolution of AI is leaps and bounds beyond what a human does. Yeah, this is going to this is going to change where automation brought about humans need not apply AI and automation is advancing that to what humans, you know, it'll be interesting. Um, but I tell people around me, don't think about two years. You better think about 10 years because two years is, you know, your basic associate's degree. You complete that challenge so that you can demonstrate to an employer that you can do a, a medium to long-term goal and you've already missed the boat on a, a mass of opportunities. Then you go for your four-year degree and unless you are ramping up for the five-year future, you're already behind. So better think ahead, folks. Better think ahead. Um, if I could do it all over again, I would have picked up programming Um And uh, I would have, nowadays, I would focus on something higher tech like AI, focus on math, um, but definitely get a bead on tech um, because a lot of people think that they know tech because they know how to log into TikTok and that's just not how it is. Um, You want to move on to the next article? Yes. Yeah, we better hurry. So the next article is about uh, Ticketmaster and we can go fast through this one because... Um, frankly, nobody really likes Ticketmaster. It's basically a burden um, on people, and and they just do it because that's where they have to go. So, royal fans slam Ticketmaster for confusion uh, for a confusing ballot system that has left them without tickets to King Charles III's coronation concert after criticism for handling Taylor Swift and Drake's tours. I don't even know why Ticketmaster is allowed to exist. For crying out loud, that's not what the article says, but. Fans were told that they had won tickets for King Charles's coronation uh, concert in the final ballot. But 
they were uh, went quickly on a first come first serve basis amid confusing instructions. So Ticketmaster has come under scrutiny because they've botched that as well. This is over at businessinsider.com. Pete Syme. Huh. I would have never thought of Ticketmaster being involved with coronation tickets, but I suppose why not? They're involved with every other ticket. This has to be. This is a Getty image, but why does it look like it's from Mid Journey? <laughs> what kind of look? Right. That's a horrible picture, folks. Anyway, um, I'm just not a fan of royalty, but. Fans were told that they won tickets, yet they weren't. Ta-da! They didn't win anything. Screenshots of Ticketmaster emails shared on Twitter say, you've been successful in the ballot, but the tickets were also being offered on a first-come, first-served basis. So guess what? If you did not claim your tickets by this date, then they will be reallocated. And that's even more uncertainty. So it's pure chaos. This was the third and final ballot for a total of 10,000 concert tickets. It was made up of those tickets Tickets left unclaimed from the previous two ballots. But based on this, if everything was this bananas, who knows if you could navigate. Well, you know. and if you got the notice like 10 minutes after the fact and went in and it was already gone, I mean, that's kind of insane. Okay. So here, let's just move on. Um, the next article is dun, 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 over in the Daily News show. Employee says chat GPT carries out 80% of his work duties, allowing him to take on a second job. Several workers told Vice that they were using chat GPT to work multiple jobs. One worker referred to as Ben said that he used uh, the chat bot to apply for a second job. He said that he uses the bot to generate written content and write messages to his manager. Uh, how? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, this is obviously a major issue. Yeah. Beatrice Nolan over at Business Insider put this article together. Um, I'm really curious. OpenAI's buzzy artificial intelligence tool ChatGPT is reportedly helping people hold down multiple jobs while keeping employers in the dark. Vice's motherboard, who wrote the original article, and then they, uh, over at Business Insider, uh, knocked on uh, that article. It's basically everybody looking at everybody. Uh, ben, whose name was changed by Vice to preserve his anonymity, told, uh, said he applied for a second job only after realizing he could use the AI uh, at work. From Toronto, Ben helps financial technology companies market new products. He told Vice that ChatGPT had helped him do his job faster and more efficiently, efficiently uh, which left him with more time. So earlier this year, Ben told Vice that he landed a second job using the chatbot to write his cover letters. My God. Uh, Wonder if the interviewers realized that that was written by AI. Yeah. I can tell it to write it. Uh, I can just tell it to create a story and it just does it for me based on the context that I gave it. <laughs> All right. I like this. Um, unfortunately, Without giving credit as an AI, it's plagiarism, and you can't have a copyright. Right. And oh, by the way, you're getting paid to do a job that you're not doing, but anyway. Well, hey, 
If it works for some government employees. You remember that? The guy that gave his RSA key to a person in China to do his work remotely? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, at any rate, uh, I suppose work smarter, not harder. I would want verification of this, like nobody's business. But I know for a fact that it can punch out code, like software engineering level code. Um, and you have to work. You have to know what you're doing. I know that it can write stories. I've had it write short stories. I've had it merge con um, concepts into stories. I, I know it can do it, but when people read it, they can tell there's, there's a lot of verbiage in there that really triggers people into going, eh, I don't know about that. Oh, well, you want to move on? Yes. Yeah. We got a lot of articles still. So it's because I soapboxed. I'm sorry. Um, the next article is uh, another train has become allergic to its tracks. BNSF Railway can confirm that a train derailed near DeSoto, Wisconsin, approximately 30 minutes, uh, sorry, 30 miles south of La Crosse. That doesn't really help me any on April 27th, uh, according to uh, Newsweek. So the title of the article, it's in the Daily News Show channel, is... Uh, Train derailment sends freight cars into Mississippi River. So there you have it. <clears throat> Actually, this is not the, like always, there seems to be a disconnect in the videos that are in, <laughs> in the header of the article. So Matthew Impelli is the author of this over at Newsweek. Train derailment sends freight cars into Mississippi River. Um, if we keep reporting these train tracks, by the way, um, We'll have about 2,000 of them, right? That's that's right. We should, based on last year's stats. So, yeah, we're going to be pretty busy. Uh, two containers went into the Mississippi River. Neither contained hazardous materials. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what it looks some like. Some of the containers had lithium, I think it said, and um, paint. Paint. Paint and lithium-ion batteries. Oh, well, those were on shore, so, oh, we don't have to worry about those, except, you know, maybe if they're touching the water or whatever. Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe there might be a soft leak. Who knows? I mean, I'm sure it wasn't East Palestine, Ohio. Yeah. So there's your PSA, folks. Another train became allergic to its tracks. Um, But they got record margins. And the track in East Palestine is going to be back functional by July. So and I'm sure they've got lots of union activity. Because, stockholders. You know, everybody's a one-person crew. You, the stockholders are going to get their dividends. Um, so Late Night Geeks is the next article. Now you can pay a monthly fee to unnerf your electric Mercedes. They've finalized pricing on its vexing acceleration increase subscription revealed last year. That can eke out more electric performance without any physical modification from the automaker's current EQE and EQS EV models, according to Car and Driver. This is over at The Verge. So for 60 bucks a month more, you can make your car go faster. At what point are they just going to go, for 120 bucks, we'll let your car go? Exactly. I swear that's going to be the next step. And this is setting a really bad precedent for future yeah. cars. Yeah. 
So you can't go above 60 because that's the speed limit nationally. You know, the speed limit is 60. So, but for $75 a month, you can go 70. How about that? Sound good? Uh, no. I expect a car to go at whatever speed I needed to drive at, and I don't mean 200 miles per hour. The updated acceleration increase pricing starts at $60 per month, or you can save about $120 and pay $600 per year instead. And the pricing only applies to the all-wheel drive EQE 350 sedan and its SUV counterpart. Meanwhile, the pricier all-wheel drive EQS 450 uh, car and SUV command a higher $90 per month because, you know. What a bargain. <laughs> Uh, because an extra, extra, extra large shirt actually consumes more material. So you have to pay a little bit more, but the same sized car, <laughs> the same vehicle you paid for. So like the, why, why does the sedan versus the pricier other car demand a higher thing? All it is is a software thing that says go. Exactly. Well, and I like this where they said it, it was initially set at 1200 per year, but now it's been reduced a bit to a slightly less unreasonable rate. <laughs> <laughs> the automaker is also letting you pay a one-time fee of $1,950, so not $19, $1,950 on the EQE, and let me just round up. $2,000 for the EQE and $3,000 for the EQS to unlock the acceleration increase permanently so you pay eighty thousand dollars for a car but it's eighty three thousand dollars if you want it to go <laughs> this uh, is oh. really not a good sign for future cars man polestar offers a and a twelve hundred dollar one-time fee for a boost and tesla also has a performance unlock for its evs okay everybody all of you get to pay this crap i'm gonna stick to internal combustion engine um this, this is it's like i want to go over to ev but i don't when i read things like this <laughs> i hate to say that it's shocking but it's an ev all right so the next article is youtube music is officially rolling out podcasts but i've been the the, the youtube channel for hometown has had the podcast option for months now. Um, so all, of, and I break it all out. So each month since January, 2022 has its own podcast month. Um, and there's a total podcast stream that has 400 or so episodes. Cause not all of them have been activated in there. I might get to it, but we are really temporal bound. So it's not evergreen material like other, some other content anyway podcasts have finally started to arrive uh, for youtube music users in the u.s the change will allow you to tune into podcasts on the youtube music app where you can gain access to on-demand offline streams that support background listening without a premium subscription um which is great uh, i swear that the ipad allowed me to uh close the screen and it would still stream but it doesn't on anything except um 
podcasts. Like I used to be able to do it on, I thought YouTube as well, but that apparently is not true. So anyway, um, YouTube first started, uh, first announced that it was bringing podcasts to its music streaming service at the Verge's hot pod summit, uh, in February. And now it's gradually rolling it out to users. Um, um, cool. Let's go over to, uh, the verge and, uh, Emma Roth is the author of this. The update will let you listen to podcasts in the background for free without shutting down. Um, which is neat. So, oh, and y'all should try out YouTube, uh, TV just so that you can get away from direct TV. Those awful cable companies that were and, going to be and all of the cable companies. Yeah. <laughs> direct TV can bite me. Okay, let's move on to the next article. Um, this next article is a lawyer's paralegal was fooled by a fraudster who changed wiring instructions. According to a lawsuit, a Connecticut lawyer sent part of the proceeds from a home sale to a fraudster's bank account rather than to the bank holding the mortgage. Um, this is how you, uh, well, anyway, Deborah Casson's Weiss over at ABAJournal.com wrote this article. They always have a colorful um, writing style. It's a lot of fun to read their stuff. The lawsuit filed April 25th. See, they know the person now. So they, that might save their practices license, right? To practice law um, because they were defrauded. But, right. you know, they they really shouldn't have... <laughs> It should have been a little more explicit, right? I know from experience that they're very explicit about where large sums of money get floated. And it's typically not, hey, let me fool you into doing this a different way. Anyway, filed April 24th, a lawsuit, Connecticut Superior Court was filed by home buyer Leslie Moody who said the title to the home that she purchased is encumbered by the seller's mortgage as a result of the goof up. Law 360 has coverage. William Coate, the lawyer. Why does that name sound familiar? That name sounds very familiar. Why does that name sound familiar? Uh, The lawyer for the seller allegedly wired more than $159,000 to the wrong account after his paralegal presented him with what turned out to be a phony payoff statement. The money was supposed to be paid to the Freedom Mortgage Corp. Code had received a correct payoff statement with accurate wire instructions on August 10th, 2022, according to the suit. But before he made payment, his paralegal received an email from an unknown third party who claimed to be the seller. The email said that there was a new payoff statement. What? That okay. should have been a red flag. By the way, there is an actor named William Coat. Um, he was in The Greatest Showman. That's um, why Avengers Infinity War, Irishman, etc. So that's probably where we. That's probably it. where it is. Yeah. So when the fraudster, when the uh, email fraudster sent out the new statement, it specified wire instructions um, for a different bank and account, presumably one that the fraudster controlled. Okay, so remember how I said, yeah, maybe that'll save their license. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Click with care, people. Click with care. And we're going to end uh, with uh, the next article, which is in the Law Nerd channel. And um, I once got asked by somebody to purchase that domain because I own the domain lawnerd.com. And they got kind of snarky with me because they had a lawn aeration device. And they wanted lawnerd.com. 
Com. And I saw through that BS. <laughs> it was like a big lump of crystal. I just, man, no, I know what you're up to, you and your shenanigans. Anyway, um, lay down some justice and give a proper verdict for the case. For the case. This is over at Above the Law, which always, always has some great writing. Jurors prohibited from dancing to Ed Sheeran's funky music, or is it Marvin Gaye's? Because if you haven't been paying any attention to what's going on with Ed Sheeran, we had another article uh, that we talked about in another episode. Was it yesterday? Maybe the day before. That he's got a... Um, a couple days ago, I think. Yeah, he's got a lawsuit. Um, supposedly, he uh, stole some, uh, some, some rhythm, some groove, some, some soul... In fact, there's another article that was on hometown where apparently there was a mechanical voice that sang, let's get it on and thinking out loud in a monotone voice while music played the, the rhythm played so that you could find, you, you could see or hear, I should say that let's get it on and Ed Sheeran's thinking out loud are the same thing, but it's not for crying out loud. It does sound similar, but you have to slow down thinking out loud. It has a different melody. It has a different rhythm when you transition out of the first few chords. This is just, I think, a money grab. And I really hate that this is so... Just the the the, the music intellectual property battering ram that is copyright law um just it's supposed to stimulate creativity by protecting somebody's ability to uh write music and then profit from their work but then at the same time there's only so much music that is following the same rhythm how can you protect you know three little strums of a guitar four i think it is right well anyway earlier this week the judge had to prohibit the jurors from giving it up as they listened to the evidence ed sheeran with ed sheeran on the witness stand in manhattan federal court on tuesday during the copyright trial jurors were warned to keep their composure while watching a video of the british pop star performing a medley of his hit song Thinking Out Loud, and the classic Marvin Gaye tune, Let's Get It On. Ooh. Anyway, we don't allow dancing, according to uh, the Footloose judge. What was the town? What was the town oh. in Footloose? Doesn't matter. So this is the judge from the movie Footloose, I guess, because he said, we don't allow dancing in my town. U.S. Judge... Uh, Louis Stanton, which sounds like the dude that's from the movie Footloose, instructed the seven-member jury. Sorry, lawyers, it was Elmore City, Oklahoma. Elmore City, Oklahoma. You know, Louis Stanton sounds like a somebody from uh, Elmore City. Yep. Anyway, uh, lawyers for heirs of songwriter Ed Townsend, gay's co-writer, uh, on the 1973 hit, showed the video to bolster their allegation that Sheeran, his label Warner Music Group, and music publisher Sony Music Publishing owe them a share of the profits for allegedly copying the song Ben Crumb. 
Crump, sorry, Ben Crump, a lawyer for the heirs, said in the opening statement that the performance amounted to a confession by Sheeran. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> the performance amounted. That should have been stricken. That I would have objected if I was Sheeran's attorney because that taints the jury as, a, as if it could possibly be a confession. No, a confession is very deliberate. You are making a statement, not singing a song, unless in the song it says, I stole this song, you know? Right. Well, and I also think the medley shows that it's not the same song, because how could you do a medley of itself? Well, according to the article, it says uh, that uh, the writer here thinks that the judge made the right call. It's one thing to see an episode of the boondocks to live in one. I wouldn't want that either. Imagine if this was your courtroom and they have a R Kelly verdict, uh, video from the boondocks. So you'll have to click the link, go through hometown over to, uh, this article. I won't, I won't play that. Um, Anyway, back to the substantive aspect of the uh, case, a verdict against Sheeran could have wide reaching consequences for the music industry. Um, this is basically a knock on. They say from at the very top here, this is kind of a, a riff <laughs> uh, off of the uh, Pharrell, Robin Thicke, uh, blurred lines infringement thing where uh, they actually did. I mean, it, uh, apparently that blurred lines infringement was way obvious, but the other one, you have to manipulate every single aspect of, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, thinking out loud so that it fits within, uh, let's get it on. Um, and even then it changes after like, if it was normal speed, you wouldn't detect it right away and it changes. So I don't know. I, I keep harping on that. It changes, but, Apparently I can just strum my guitar and I've got a copyright on it if I'm well known enough. But of course, nobody has ever created any music in 4-4, right? Oh, never. No. <laughs> just about everybody. <laughs> so um, it says under questioning from Keisha Rice, another lawyer for the plaintiffs, Sheeran said, Many pop songs use the same three or four chords and that he performs mashups of many songs at his concert. You could go from Let It Be to No Woman, No Cry and switch back. Sheeran testified, referring to the Beatles and Bob Marley classics. If I had done what you're accusing me of doing, I'd be quite an idiot to stand on a stage in front of 20,000 people and do that. I'm not even sure that amounts to anything that he's saying. I mean, that just sounds like nothing to me particularly in a, in a court, but okay. So uh, I'm not sure what's going to come of this, but I hate the idea that the future of being able to riff off of music that in, that is inspirational uh, could land you either in jail or financially crippled for in perpetuity, you will forever, you will never be able to pay it all off because they're asking for a hundred million dollars. Well, I thought the most important part of that snippet from Ed Sheeran was the fact that he mentioned that songs are built off of the same general chords. So 
And that's exactly what you yeah. were stating. So I had somebody, um, I was watching a video and I can't remember who it was, but they basically defined modern music as being kind of flat, no depth. You know, when they say f all of the music is 4-4, it's just a boring 4-4. But the Beatles did 4-4, but their musical depth in their notation is dramatically complex compared to what it is today. Um, now, I'd have to go and look at the music again. Um, I'm not a big Beatles fan, um, only because a lot of their music kind of, well, the lyrics and stuff like that. I, Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know why I disclosed that, but um, at any rate, now I've got to go back and see if I can re-appreciate this because I pretty much put them aside um, for a long time. But I'm really curious if that's really true, today's music being flat, because I've listened to some pretty interesting music lately. Um and uh, I don't think that it's flat like this person was describing it. Anyway, because it isn't as complex, it's easier to sound like it's being copied. Because you can only make so many shades of orange or so many shades of green with a giant marker. But you can make it if you make it more complex, you make it the gamut broader. You can cut it up a whole lot thinner. Um, I think that's kind of what it comes down to, but it's again, it's about enabling people to take something as basic as these three notes and riff off of it, as opposed to taking something that the Beatles created. If the complexity is there, you'd be able to discern that it's a complex set that's being stolen or, you know, inspired into being in somebody else's music, not just this basic notation. Maybe there needs to be a threshold at which you're allowed to claim copyright violation and it's built off of the construction of the music. Um, and when it's too basic, you can't copyright the whole, th I mean, you can't copyright little segments. You can copyright the whole embodiment, not little slices. I mean, that sounds like that would prevent a lot of this. Um, and again, they can I still make the money. Lines one is distinguishable, but yeah, they can still make money. All of these artists can still make money hand over fist because it's more about marketing than it is about the music. I was told that to really make it big, you have to land on the Apple music charts. Nowadays, it used to be radio plays and now it's Apple music charts. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, Apple and Spotify. If you land on their top 10, top 100, boom, you're getting played all over the place. I, mean, um, I guess it makes sense. Think probably millions of people. Cause that's where radio it. is now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's better than being on like local radio, right? Because sure. you're getting worldwide uh, exposure. Yeah. You throw it onto YouTube and get discovered. You pivot it over and you publish it on Spotify and on in Apple Music. And then you end up because people are listening to it on YouTube. 
they start talking about it. They look it up in Apple Music. The plays increase. They go over to Spotify. They do it on demand there. Boom, number one. So at any rate, um, I, we are done for tonight. We did our 11 articles or so. But I always bring you back to the front page of hometown. I think we've resolved our DNS problem. <laughs> so it was either a, a CPU or a motherboard that's failing. So I had to switch to a whole new machine. So today we're not going to go through it. Um, it's been a long day and um, I'm going to bow out. So this will get published probably uh, late tomorrow afternoon uh, over to um, the podcast and, and, and maybe um, YouTube as well. So uh, enjoy it here in the Twitch VODs for a little bit because uh, I need a break. But <laughs> y'all set? You want to say good night? Good night, hometown citizens. Have a great evening and we'll see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. 9 p.m. Eastern. Be there. You heard the AI. They're working with ChatGPT to find you. See you later. Mm -hmm.